that was a good time talking about dubstep music and watered down keg beer. Well, I don't want to have any watered down keg beer, but breakfast sandwiches, sign me up. With extra syrup, but it was syrup infused bacon. I, mm, okay, fine. As long as it's crispy. Attention, audience. Please heed our secondary scary advisory. Beware the stark broadcast on the surfacing of Drisking's past. It's too late to air what you hear here, for your faded, fallow fear has reappeared. Welcome, audience, you stark, shady ladies and dark, bent gents, to this chilling, fulfilling horror excursion edition of Kimohawk Sessions. Darker Mile Marker, an ungory but unsettling episodic dissection of Qcode Media's best time-killing, fear-instilling, wine-swilling, spine-thrilling, blood-chilling podcast, Baraska, Season 2, which aired October 6th, 2002. Welcome to your 12th Scary Auditory Advisory, under the persistent looming shade of the threatening triple tree, with this Chemohawk Sessions spine-tingling, nerve-jingling special. Darker Mile Marker. Mile Marker 12 on this episode's road. Menacing missteps to dubstep. You remember dubstep from high school? Yeah, but I, I mean, I wasn't a cool person, so... Today, we inspect, dissect, and reflect on the third episode of Season 2, 12th episode chronologically of Baraska, Kyle's Map Theory. Kimber is, in fact, alive. Not only did her red-headed ass survive, but she's dead fucking set on nabbing Kyle and the remote hard drive. We learn that you need tequila to play bullshit, and by episode's end, just like in Sam's gut, we feel a massive F-Stars pit. Add the lush, freshly cut, pilfered Christmas tree to Sam's parolee crime spree. Their drunken poker antics may dull their fear, but a new B-party looms near as they inch closer to the toxic tip of the town's bloody spear. Sam's birth mother is fucking dead, a victim of drisking. Motherload of daughters bled and abominations bred. And while drugged out in his no-tell bed, shiny, gentlemanly sounds swirl in Sam's head. I don't know how we go from Phil, the malcontented dope, to Saunders-scented soap, but you must remember. Drisking's snow-capped town is down one small tree. Shortcake drinks both tequila and whiskey. To locked sights on the dark, dirty web, Eric holds the key. For the circumstances here are far, far from fucking conventional. Saunders gifts our duo Augerwood soap with gold F-Star's leaf. Perhaps its scent will grant relief. Either way, they all share grief. Neither plot thread nor implied dread is missed, omitted, or otherwise ignored, while this double-digit darker mile marker is, by us, explored. In step with the rhythmic rhyme of dubstep, your faux ghost host, Falsetto Prophet, and listening to Key Theory while hearing Landy's Map Theory, co-host, Red Devil. Sam's on parole. 
Drisking abhors birth control, and the cold, snowy road takes hold with a bold mile marker. While we host and sip dry wines, read between the misspelled signs on your tour of Drisking's minds. Welcome to Drisking, land of one no-tell, bohel motel, where bound ladies and their babies sell. Pay in cash at the Fohel Motel while we rehash old mile markers of Drisking's past with this darker mile marker broadcast. In this next chapter, Shortcake unveils the one source we can't endorse. Does she even feel remorse? Twice, Twice warned, warned you were. were. Note, audience, that the cover art is different. There's a scruffy Sam, a chick holding a branch leaning against the tree's trunk, and a cop walking towards their trunk, gun in hand. We still have not heard Graham's voice so far this season, and we're already several episodes in. When oh when will we hear the terrifying voice of Mr. Graham Walker? Today, we will be snacking on... And sipping! Syrup-infused bacon breakfast sandwiches for dinner, and watery, diluted, stolen keg beer. I can tell you that I don't even remember keg beer. If I ever had it, I don't remember it. I never did a keg. I did drink beer, though. Episode 12 of Baroska is called Kyle's Map Theory. Official episode summary from the Wikipedia slash Spotify Audible Summary Jacket. Kimber and Sam visit an old friend and attend a Baroska party where more truths are uncovered. Kimber's source is finally revealed. So some conceptualized contender titles that I had. Inside Source, K Reveals. Wayside Tree, Sam Steals. Shedding Light on the Dark Web. Mistletoe Tags, get it? <laughs> A Mother Load of Family Depravity. Inhuman Trafficking Ring. K's Reveal Remains a Heel. I like the last one. <laughs> we start. Sam and Kimber, this deadly duo, Sam's sorry that he brought them up on this hill because it clearly was emotionally devastating for Kimber. And they agree that they need to regroup at the no-tell motel. But they wonder if it's safe. And they consider, well, maybe we should move hotels. I think that's probably a good idea because even though they were smart enough to use an assumed name, they have been going all over town making messes everywhere they go. Kimber left a message on the side of the mountain with Christmas lights stolen. They ransacked some area of Drisking where they had a lot of Christmas decorations. They had one hell of a drop-in on Saunders Scented Soaps where he does his business at home. They are making ripples everywhere they go, not to mention the big reveal to Mira. So this duo needs to chill the fuck out. It's Sam. Sam needs to chill the fuck out. In advance, Kimber had prepaid at the Prince Ridge with the rest of her money. So she is completely devoid of any sort of, we'll call it, situational cash needed for emergencies. Well, she decides that they can stay up late and play bullshit. I remember playing that in like middle school, maybe early high school. It's where you try to get rid of the cards in your deck. Oh, It's kind of like, like Go lying. Fish. You may not have the cards, so you try to cover your ass. And then if they call bullshit and you're wrong... You have to take the entire deck. So that was a fun game. Sam was like, well, in order to play bullshit properly, we need at least three people and we need booze. But voila, 
K has stockpiled some tequila. That's interesting. I didn't see tequila coming, but there you have it. What about Crazy Eights? Well, I never played that game either, but I have heard of it. And then they even consider Hold'em, like Texas Hold'em is my guess. But apparently when they used to play, Kimber would be hammered by 9.30 because she was a lightweight. And remember, Kay has no poker face. What was that song? Was that Lady Gaga? Pop, 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 poker face. I hate that song. Well, you're the only one in America. Well, I guess so. But I'm also the only one in America doing Darker Mile Marker, which is an episodic review of Baraska. I don't see anybody else doing an episodic review of Baraska, particularly one as sleek and terrifying as this one. That is actually a good reminder to tell you, please, audience, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, go to Apple and leave some comments. If there's any advice, any feedback, or just any complimentary words that you would like to send on our merry way, please, by all means, leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, you can find this podcast, along with several of the other books in the Kimohawk Sessions library, on the following. Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and, just for good measure, Anchor and Apple Podcast. Thank you very much. Basically, Sam says, Kimber, your face is too expressive, and you give everything away. And then they do a pork rinds bet, where depending on how good they do at bullshit, they're going to have to stuff their face with pork rinds, which we remember from a previous episode, Kimber can't do pork rinds anymore like she could do them once upon a time. Especially with tequila. It sounded like, if I remember. Now Sam says, stop the car. Oh God, what is it? What is it? Is it another mile marker? Uh, I thought it was another mile marker. Well, then you hear sounds like chopping or some or, or ripping at roots or something. Well, come to find out, he's stealing a little Christmas tree because he is Clark Griswold after all. And I like the detail in the sound effects. Like you can hear the snow crushing under his feet while he walks. So great sound effects per usual Q code. But it's like a three foot tree. And now they need to steal lights in order to make it complete. So what do they do? They do what any couple that's trying to lay low does. They steal lights from the town square. Kimber leaves a message using said lights, and she puts them on the side of the mountain. And she wonders if the brightness of those lights will be visible in Baraska. And then she says, but wait, what if they cap us? And I like when Sam goes, we got to work on your street talk, Destaro. The source omitted, but did not lie, Kimber clarifies. Because Sam is very suspicious of this source, and he really wants to know who the source is. She says she will reveal this information to Sam the following day if her source does not explain himself by tomorrow night. So remember, the source is in fact a male. Sam is both nervous and curious. They agree that Driskin does not deserve to have a Christmas because Driskin is a shitty city. Now, Kay, of course, is losing bullshit because she does not have a poker face and she's getting drunk and sick. We learn that Kyle wanted to be a cartographer a.k.a. a map maker. Now, that sounds like something that your family would do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't argue with that. My dad loves maps. And he loves the... What are the maps called? Whenever it's, it's... Is it like a topographic map where it has levels? Well, topography maps are what you use to look at the terrain of an area. Elevations, different elevations, mm -hmm, visible. Mm -hmm. Kyle apparently did not trust that any of the maps were accurate, and he wanted to draw his own. He theorized that his distances to certain areas that they used to ride bikes to would be different on his map than any of the other maps that were available. And 
Interestingly enough, he was right on a philosophical level because Kyle had a good understanding and a natural way of, he was directionally inclined, I would say. But Sam has thought about the validity of Kyle's map theory. So this is kind of the silly dialogue that Sam and Kimber get involved in when they're drunk off tequila. Then they're interrupted by a phone call from our cyber guru, Eric. And because he has three sisters, he can tell even in the background that Kimber is drunk. He's done some looking online, and he's made inquiries in the dark and dirty places of the deep web. I like how they said that. He says that these guys are very clean. He can't find anything on the dark web. And that's where I came up with the possible title for today's episode, Shedding Light on the Dark Web. Eric suggested they check a place with internet access. Now I know you're hearing that and you're thinking, ha ha ha, who doesn't have internet access? Well, this is Drisking. And Drisking is one of those off-the-reservation kind of places. It's the land of your on-your-own out there. So I get the impression that a lot of the town is more analog. Now, they knew from the very beginning that this investigation would not be an easy one. Let's face it, they're not the best spies because their cover was blown in one fucking day. We learned that Baraska has been moved. Boo. Kay made a star out of newspaper for the tree. Now, that's something that I wish we got a chance to see, what this newspaper star looked like, you know? Now, Leah, if you recall, who desperately worries about Sam, she's been trying to get a hold of Sam per Eric. Remember, her ass is on the line and she could lose her job. They talk about the deliciousness of the breakfast sandwiches, and he's going to send them a shipment of syrup-infused bacon sandwiches via a care package. Well, that's so very kind of you, Eric. It reminds me when Red Devil sent me a care package a long time ago when I had to go on some spontaneous cat claims and they were fucking terrible. And somehow Eric is already aware of the room that they are staying in, 209. Eric admits that he can find anything, and he's probably not the only one looking. Well, Eric being the good friend that he is, and fellow parolee tries to talk Sam out of doing drugs, and Sam says, this is not the time, Eric. This is not the time for the quit doing smack talk. Sam says that he will stay up to watch out for her, but Sam's a liar, because Sam fell asleep last time, so you can't totally depend what Sam talks about and when he says it. He says he, as he's doing this cool narration, which is new to this season, we didn't get it last season, he found himself in this nightmare place between unconscious and aware. These writers are really good. The way that they took that source material from C.K. Walker and transformed it into a working dialogue, I think it's awesome. There were no cops, no note on the door, no blinking red light on the phone. They were either watching them closely or did not care at all. And then Sam says in his narration, both were discouraging. Great, haunting, ethereal organ music playing during the narration. I liked it a lot. So now we wonder, who has the trafficking records? And how can they get close enough to kill Jimmy Prescott and Cleary? Do you think you know who has the trafficking records? I certainly don't. It has to be Prescott. That's what I would think. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it was him and Cleary. But to me, he's the one kind of driving the business, if you will. We get more narration from Sam. H, like heroin, was the cradle that made Sam whole in the light. It was a friend, not a monster. That's fucked up, Sam. Kimber's a friend, not H. He wanted to go out the way he feels now, this euphoria from the heroin, if he was killed in his sleep. No faces, no feelings, no pain, he says. 
Sam is drifting in a black ocean under the stars. As he's somewhere between consciousness and deep sleep, he hears the shiny gentleman. Holy shitballs. The first time we've heard it. We have not heard it in in quite a while. Well, I'm wondering, was it real? I mean, it sounded real. But that's what's cool about this Baraska show is sometimes, even though it's auditory only, you don't know if it's happening or if it's being imagined or if it's being remembered. It's really difficult to know. So I like that, that it keeps you guessing. He opened his eyes and looked out the window. He watched the snowflakes fall through the fluorescent light by the door and slip back into unconsciousness. What time is it? 10 a.m. Kimber and all of her dutiful research found out where Phil Saunders lives, and she acquired a bottle of water from the local vending machine. So Kimber is an early riser. They decide they should go talk to Phil to try to get information on where Kyle is. And per Facebook, Kimber says that everyone is still there. Apparently, Phil married backstage Paige Berry, and he has kids with her. So how about that? Kyle's a hypocrite because he would buy drugs from Phil Saunders when they used to go to school together. And this is Sam learning this for the first time from Kimber. Kyle apparently got so many drugs from Phil that he even named a strain after him, which was Kyle Idoscope. I think that's hilarious. Clever. And another one of the names that he had crafted back in the day was Shiny Gentleman Gelato. (laughs) That sounds gross. Now, Sam shot up some vitamin H before he heard the Shiny Gentleman. So the question remains, did he really hear it at all? Well, they decide that they're going to stream everything they find onto the internet immediately. But we know, because this is Drisking, that having a consistent signal is likely going to be a problem. They decide they need multiple pieces of evidence. And then Kay makes a point. She also needs to kill a couple of people. Not send them to prison, but they need to be dead. Dead! She reminds Sam that if in fact he did hear The Shining Gentleman, That means there's going to be a B or Baraska party tonight. Was that scream a message to them? Sam says that it feels like it. Okay, do you think at this point that there actually was a shiny gentleman scream? Because Kimber's not saying anything about it. Well, it's hard to know because, yeah, I I would think that Kimber would have heard it. Right. We know that Sam is all hopped up on drugs. So we can't answer that question until we know if there actually was an SG sound because... If there wasn't an SG sound, then that means there was no message coded for them. Who could possibly know more than the local drug dealer? I remember that movie called Brick, which was a neo-noir movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I recall that the drug dealer in that movie, he had a lot of insider scoop as well. So I think that's kind of a running theme. It's like a hairdresser. Right. You know, like the hairdresser knows all the gossip. But seeing Saunders is the plan. Knock, knock, knock. Can I help you? So they're now at Phil's house. Uh, well, if you're looking for my wife, no, Phil, we're looking for you. And then bam, he instantly recognizes Kimber. Holy shit, you're Kimber. It takes him a little time, though, to figure out who's with Kimber. I guess Sam looks different with the beard. No one ever comes back to Drisking. Paige is going to shit herself, he says. Let me show you my studio. We can talk in there. And then he says there are no secrets in this town, which Sam then retorts. Well, that's debatable. That's dramatic irony. Now, Kimber left on her own, but she's back now. Where is Kyle Landy? That's where they want to know. Parker was looking for his brohan, and he's reminded that he's in rough shape, Kimber. And he says, not knowing that this is Sam right in front of his face, Sam beat the absolute shit out of him before he took off. 
I'm amazed that Sam did not violently react in that exact moment. Because Sam does not require much provocation. Yeah, no, he, he flies off the handle very easily. Who's this, your boyfriend? Saunders asks. Saunders, I didn't fucking hurt Kyle. I have a list. Uh, am I on that list? Asks Saunders. I call it a Christ mass shooting list because of all the guns they have in the trunk. Saunders finally realizes that this is Sam, you know, like a oh shit moment. And they think that Saunders is up to no good making meth or some street drug. And you find out that Saunders is making soap for Etsy, kind of like Tyler Durden was making soap in the movie Fight Club. And he considers himself an artisan. And then I say, from demented dope to scented soap. But he claims that it's organic, it's vegan, it's ethical, and there's no chemicals. Phil Saunders is taking a great pride in his new soap product. But we do learn that Cleary and his wife died seven to eight years ago because of a house fire. And the rumor was it's an old salt lamp. No one else is dead, but as far as missing, that's a different story. Because Phil says nonchalantly, this is drisking, people are always missing. Mike Saunders is on his second marriage, and uh-oh, he's the sheriff's deputy. Dun-dun-dun. What does that mean about Graham? That's what I was wondering. That he's probably been grooming him. No info on Graham. Now we learn this is the most important thing. Sam did hear the shiny gentleman scream, because Saunders confirmed it. Now, he was high off his ass when they were kids. He's just a humble soap maker now. And remember, he says, keep your fucking voice down, because I have neighbors. Saunders is getting concerned that they're lodging all of these accusations and complaints. And I think it's so funny when they get into a scuffle. Phil says, that was my saffron, man. I had to look it up. It's a spice. (laughs) Well, Paige comes home and finds them. She has two daughters now, Wendy and Willow as in the Walker line. And they, of course, start getting very incensed. So Phil gives them some agarwood soap with gold leaf as a goodbye gift. And then I thought of a title for this episode, Windy Snow, Weeping Willow. I thought that would have been cool, but one of them would have been spelled differently. It would have been a little confusing. Sam looks like his dad when he shaves off his beard. So this is interesting. And they decide that this could come in handy Because when they go to the Baraska party, maybe the drunk kids will think he is his dad. It looks like a professional Christmas light job that was done at Baraska, and they remember how much of a hike it was to get up there. Sam wants to know if Kimber's source is at the Baraska party. How old are you guys? They run into some partygoers. You missed the turn for the book club. (laughs) Now Sam steals a beer. What a fucking jerk. And then he burps, which is even more gross because it sounds legit. But you hear some good dubstep tunes in the background at the B party, and that, of course, plays a factor in why the title is Menacing Missteps to Dubstep. Sam is drinking, and Kimber says, Sam, you might want to slow your shit down. And he's like, whoa, half a beer ain't going to do shit. Plus, it's keg beer, which is like water. I think that's probably true, but like I said, it's been so long since I've had any sort of dealings with a keg. Okay, we finally learn why her name is Shortcake, or why Sam has been calling her that in this second season. She's a foot shorter than Sam, and her hair smells like cake. Which to me sounds nice. But Kimber's like, my hair doesn't smell like cake. Well, it's Shortcake, and her nickname remains Shortcake. Do you think it's vanilla cake? Or chocolate Red velvet. (laughs) Ah, I see what you did there. Now, Sam looks exactly like the sheriff. Some kids mistake him for the sheriff, or they make comments about him looking like the sheriff. Well, they find Parker. Parker thinks that Kay is still hot. No surprise there. 
Parker, though, he knows that Sam did not beat up Kyle because he watched those two beat the shit out of each other growing up, but he thinks they were so close they were practically boyfriends. So Parker actually thinks that it was Saunders who beat Kyle to within an inch of his life. Kyle, we learn, was put in a home, but Parker does not know where. The family says it would be just too painful for Parker to have to visit Kyle in that condition. And then, of course, they inquire, will the girls still disappear here? And then Parker, they run off by the droves. And he is applying to jobs in Miami. Now, if memory serves, Miami is where Kimber went to go search for her family during you know this long absent period of several years. She said she went to Miami to find some of her family, I believe. So that's just a coincidence. And then the lights that Kimber left, we've been wondering what gift she left for the near-do-wells in Drisking. And we find out that the lights were rearranged. Instead of saying, welcome to Drisking, a motherload of family values, it now says a motherload of rape and murder. That's funny. Instead of family values. So that's why part of me was thinking about naming this episode a motherload of family depravity. Now we learn, tragically, that Sam's mom died in a car accident six years ago. Which doesn't sit well with Sam, because he saw a car in the driveway that said wifey on the license plate. Well, that's not Sam's mom. Graham has since gotten remarried. This was confirmed by Kimber's source. Parker leaves in a funny way. I would leave too. I mean, how Sam reacts to this, which is understandable. I mean, he just found out his mom's dead. The it way leads he to bickering. Reacts. It leads to bickering between him and Kimber, and he just goes, "All right, well, I'm I'm gonna leave now. Bye. Bye. But great, great to see you guys." This guy approaches Sam at the party because he was Sam was stealing beer, and he's like, "Hey, asshole, you like stealing shit? What are you old? Some old guy? What are you a perv?" And then Sam throws the guy off the ledge, and the scream that comes from some party goer female is fucking awesome. But there's four feet of powder down on the ground. So he's okay. And then immediately the dubstep music resumes. So these drunkards don't give a shit. But it was for a moment I thought the guy, I guess he kind of lunged at Sam and then lost his footing. So that's why I titled this episode Menacing Missteps to Dubstep. Kimber comments on how volatile Sam has been lately. He's been explosive, angry, and unpredictable. Reminds me of some bosses that I had at the White Collar. Team addiction is Sam's team. Don't blame the junkie, K. At the end of the day, we're just two broke-ass motherfuckers. Kyle is a vegetable. Now, this is a good acting from Sam in his outburst. This was always going to be impossible, he says. But K just wants her friend back. Which, of course, this leads to one of the worst fights that Sam and Kimber ever had. And it's not pleasant to listen to. They see a mile marker. There's an ATV from one of the mine tours left close to the path. It's mile marker number 112 or 112. Sam reminds Kimber that hers was 54. So she does some quick math, some quick arithmetic, and decides that 58 more women have gone missing in less than 10 years. And it looks like it's been out there a couple of years based on the exposure. They hear a broken branch. Another title I considered was. One confident chick, two ex-cons, for Eric and for Sam. Now there are road sounds, suspense building, but the drivers just kept going. They were just trying to scare them, so they make it out alive. But Sam starts packing, back at the no-tell motel. 
and they decide they're not going to leave town without Kyle, right? Asked Kimber. And then, of course, the fight that they had already started continues on here, and they have this massive blowout. Well, what is the plan, Kay? Are we going to rent an ambulance with the money we don't have? And where are we going to set Kyle up? That's a low fucking blow, Sam. Wow, what a jerk. He is definitely not emotionally intelligent. And then he gets worse. What is Kyle to you, Kimber? He's your brother, Kimber. Fuck. Kyle is the only thing I've ever asked for, Sam. I can't have kids, ever. Apparently they found that out at Braska. So that's fucked up. And then they hear a knock on the door. Well, they assume it's probably the night manager because they're making so much fucking rackets. Kimber's contact is calling her. And what do we learn? Who is the contact? Jimmy! Jimmy Prescott, with his slimy voice, says, You got a hug for your Uncle Jimmy? Ugh, gross. What an unconscionable contact. Episode ends. Kimber's source revealed. Music builds. Now that is a cliffhanger. Did you see that coming? I, like, 50-50. I, in my brain, I was like, mm, could it be Jimmy Prescott? Maybe. I didn't really know. I also thought maybe it could be Graham. What right. about you? I thought that would have been more shocking. Yeah. But that's pretty shocking. Well, what's shocking about it is that Jimmy Prescott is the source for Kimber. That's what's so fucked up. Because she was a victim. Right. Stay alive. Outrun. Outlast. For next week's Darker Mile Marker Surreal Reveal. Mile Marker 13 on this episode's road. Her source reveal still feels surreal. Will Sam and Shortcake outgrow revenge or slowly grow still more unhinged? Here, we'll shed a dying flashlight on freshly painted but still blood-tainted mile markers. Doubly fucking remember, roadside sights grow starker each darker mile marker. Now, I will tell you... If you enjoy this Baraska episodic review, Darker Mile Marker, please check out our first season of all nine episodes of Darker Mile Marker. I think I still like the first season a little bit more so far, because with the first season, there were two things going on. The kids were younger, and I like that we didn't know. Yeah, there was innocence. Well, but the not knowing what was happening made it even scarier. Now it's more like, okay, so in the first one, each episode we get closer and closer to this horrendous crime scene. But in season two, it's more about the emotional cleanup, all of the wreckage and how we work ourselves through that. But with that said, also on Q Code you had Blackout. And the second season of Blackout was not as good as the first season. But I think that this is very, very good. It's just different. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Twice, Twice warned, warned you were. Falsetto and... Red Devil. Out.